We've just ended season two, so we're going to take a break for the next few weeks. In the meantime, we're going to be dropping some bonus episodes made up of the quickfire questions of some of our favourite guests. Starting with Lorna Davis from episode 92 and 93. And finally, if you are enjoying the show, please share it with friends or post it on social media because it really helps us be discovered by other people. Okay, now on to the bonus episode. We always talk about serendipity and you mentioned it. How has serendipity played a part in your journey and your life and what chance encounters have occurred that might have changed that direction? You know, the whole thing feels serendipitous to me. I can't think of anything that is sort of specific because it's all just a magnificent, magical surprise, really. I was absolutely stunned. Last night I was walking in Central Park and, you know, a young woman got off a bicycle and walked towards me. And this kid used to live in my compound in Shanghai in 2012, you know. Like what's, she lives in Montreal. Which, I mean, how's that, how is that? possible. Has Among that, seven you know, and a half po- billion people. And she didn't even recognize me. She recognized my dog because she loves my dog. And, you know, it's like, what are the chances? So the world is just like that. And I think the thing that's um, interesting to me is I used to laughably enough think that I controlled something. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't control anything. Um, it's just, a, I think humans do a lot better when we co-create with the universe rather than try and impose our will on it or or when we just let it do its thing. There's again a dance between us and the the way that the universe unfolds. And so there's all sorts of magical miracles, including everything from the fact that we're stuck on the ground right now because of gravity and the fact that the sun came up and we're breathing. I mean, there's all sorts of magic in this world. And there is a a sort of a divine intelligence, in my view, that we are able to collaborate with. And having intentions and putting in work where appropriate, and at the same time letting it go and allowing it to be when appropriate, is the joy of becoming human, the joy of having a successful, happy life. And sometimes we you know, it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. It's all part of, part of the the joy that is that is this world. So I think serendipity is just respecting the miracle of it all. And you know, I used to I used to love goals. I used to be really clear on goals. These days, I just really like miracles, which are, you know, goals with attitude. If you like, mm-hmm. I mean, they're goals that are much bigger than anything I could think of. And, and I think that if we just allowed it, I, I'll use another metaphor. This one comes from, I think, Lisa Rankin, who's another person that I follow on social media. I follow so many people on social media and then I sort of, I, I steal from them and I can never remember who exactly I stole from, right? But she talks about the moment of conception being obviously the meeting of a sperm that swum like crazy to get there and fought a bunch of other little sperms and an egg that was waiting receptively for, for the sperm. We put a whole hell of a lot more attention, attention on that spermy energy than we do on eggy energy. And I'm not talking, this is not mm. a gender question, but, you know, the, the question for all of us is when to be eggy and when to be spermy mm-hmm. because you need That's both <laughs> to be creative, you know. and <laughs> and be a good one for our social media. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and we need them both and they're both equally valuable. And sometimes we don't pay nearly as much attention to the eggies. But it is interesting that you're, I mean, a lot of the things you've talked about, the the dance between power and love, the dance between 
what was the, the declaration and delivery and delivery between spermy and eggy. It's a binary. It's a yin and yang. It's and a it, flow. And I suppose there is a, it's funny when you were talking about the people that are in that top tier of management that don't want change, the people that are the investors that are just going, no, we're keeping the way it is. It's about resistance. And resistance is antithesis, the anathema to, anathema to progress. And we are in a constant state of progress, whether it feels good or bad. And if you go with the flow, if you don't resist and you move forward with embracing ambiguity, not trying to enforce your will, believing that your will, you even have free will, let's face it. We just have to trust in the uncertainty of what life is and move forward with curiosity. And I, I will use the word fearlessness because it's just ingrained in me in my militaristic upbringing in a ferocious sort of way. I think that is, if more of us just went forward and trusted in our intuition and trust in others, then I think we would probably find ourselves in a position where we heal ourselves and heal the, the planet, hopefully. Now, that might not mean having mass migration. It might not mean having some form of existential crisis that Yuval Noah Harari talked about at Davos, but the planet will survive for sure. And a certain probably amount of us, the species will survive, but maybe in a very different iteration than we are today. And the dance will continue. Yes. And interesting that you talk about Yuval Harari, who's a fascinating character. And, you know, I thought his point in Hamadeus about us wanting to conquer death itself is just, you know, mind-blowing. And he himself is kind of on another planet, right? He's not, he's not a normal guy like yeah. us, right? He's, he's, he, if, you, if you read interviews with him, you think, wow, that's, uh, you know, he's, he has a role in our world that's very special, just like Greta Thunberg mm -hmm. does. You know, there are many people who are able to see things that we aren't able to see. Uh, you know, we're, I feel like we're, like we're just sort of humans scrabbling around trying to make a living. And then there are these few other people up there who really see stuff, right? They're agitators for change. And that they're inspiring others Absolutely. to take action Absolutely. At, at a scale that needs to happen. Yeah. So they both have their roles to play. Yes. Talk to me about curiosity and the role it's played in your life. And is it something, how do you cultivate it? So curiosity is um, the antidote to any pain there is, in my view. Anytime I'm uncomfortable or unhappy or angry, I think... What can I get curious about here? Mm -hmm. Because then things shift. And sometimes it's curious about my own reaction, but much more, it's, much more often it's curiosity about the thing that is allegedly um, distressing me. If you think about the fact that humans, what it is to be human is for us to think. And for us to think means that we have a lot of thoughts that are really interesting and useful, and we have a whole bunch of thoughts that are really useless and not interesting at all. And some of them occupy our minds way more than they need to. And curiosity is the gateway to joy, happiness, learning, discovery. So for me, it's becoming now, and it's obviously I get caught up like everybody else, but um, whenever I am in pain of any kind, that's sort of become my go-to question is, what can I get curious about? And how do you satisfy that curiosity? Just by leaning into other people, mm. you know, leaning into the subject. 
just being fascinated by it. And I think it, it's it's connected to the very early comments we were making about needing to know what you're doing before you move. I mean, if we, again, if we look at how little kids operate, they don't wait until they've worked stuff out before they start walking, right? They try and take a step, they fall over, they try and take another step, they fall over. And mainly they're trying to walk because they want a cookie. They're not trying to walk because they want to walk. They're trying to walk because they want something. And that's how humans are too, right? We're trying to do something. And so we start getting curious about that. I mean, we, we, we want to work out how to get to that thing. And I mean, I, we all know this story, right? When, whenever anything happens with our mobile phones or our computers, you're too young, but in my age group, I want to know what's wrong with it before I do anything. And so generally these days I ask the youngest person that I can find, can you, I don't know, this thing's not working. And what do they do? They pick it up. They have no clue either, but they start jabbing away because they're curious and they're trying to work it out. And they try this, they try that, they try the other thing, they realize they can't break it and ultimately they work it out. And I think that that spirit of working it out, you know, curiosity is even too big a word. It's just like being human, like stabbing away at stuff until you've, until something becomes clear. And, and that uh, spirit, which is just so abundant in kids all the time, is the sort of, it's like the salt of, of being human. It goes on everything, makes everything a little bit better, you know? <laughs> uh, before we get to the quick fire questions, one question, education. It's, um, we believe it's really important. What would you do if you were given the keys to the mayor's office or the White House to impact educational change, to have a positive impact on uh, the generation of young people growing up now? Um, there are a bunch of things that pra I would... Practical things, not Yeah, yeah, practical things. Yeah, <laughs> I would, first of all, get a multi-generational um, engagement in education. So I would get uh, a bunch of uh, seniors, if you like, people over 70, and I'd get them to spend time with, uh, with, with the education system. I think that the education system, it doesn't make any sense to have kind of education, then work, then leisure. I mean, there are people who are 80 years old who have so much to offer. And so I think that actually joining up older people, younger people, super important. Second, most important thing that I would do is I would um, shift the environment of people in educational systems. So for example, in New York City, I take every single one of those kids and I would put them in a semester in West Virginia or a semester in Alabama or a semester in Costa Rica, somewhere out of their current environment because there's nothing that shifts your perspective like shifting your perspective yeah. Yeah. and understanding that the world isn't the way that you are, that that's just your world right now. So that's the second thing that I would do. And the third thing is I would be very insistent on sport and activity because I think that sport and activity is a huge builder of team building and interconnection. And it's sort of become less interesting for many people and people have become too specialized too early in sport. So I also, sure everybody's in sport. And also um, a great way of countering the damaging effect of mental health issues. So I think we have to be cognizant of that as well. Great answers. Um, quick fire questions. What principles do you stand by? Principles? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do I have principles? Am I supposed to have principles? I suppose I am. I don't have anything you sophisticated live, to you say. You live your values. Well, I don't even know about values anymore. I do what occurs to me to do. 
and mostly I'm a decent person. But, you know, I think the only thing that really, really, really matters is listening. I really do think that. If I can genuinely listen to other human beings, everything seems to run differently for me. Well, we're living in a world that seems to be constantly on transmit and very few people on opposite sides of, let's say, the political divide are listening to each other. And again, what I notice is that when I'm not listening, it's because I'm afraid of the impact of this human on me. And then that's another gateway to my own, my own, you know, level of decency, if you like, or, or of civility. But, you know, if you ask me this question in a week, I'll give you a different answer. And I think that's important too, because yeah. I think, I think uh, you know, often we hold on to principles and values like a sort of a mace. Well, no, it goes know. back to what Arno was saying about certainty. We shouldn't yeah. be certain. Yeah. We have to live in a fluid world. What hard choices have you made that were tough at the time, but turned out to be the right decision on reflection? I think not having children was kind of... It wasn't one of those like, well, I think I won't have children, but it just didn't happen. And in retrospect, I'm super happy because I think my relationship with other people's kids is very different than it would have been if I had been a parent myself. I seem to use parenting metaphors almost all the time, even though I'm not one. And that's cool too. So I think that that's been an important decision. And I think uh, probably... The biggest single impact on my life is my beautiful little dog that I um, that I adopted when I lived in China. His name is Stir Fry. It was a crazy thing to do because I was traveling all the time. But and my husband was like, "You, we can't have that dog." I love that dog. He's changed my life. So it's um, not having kids and having the most magnificent dog on the planet. That's about as deep as I'm going to get, Mark. <laughs> That's fine. We, we might have to have a little battle over little dogs, so, but Ringo's not here today. Well, if you let Ringo go to Mexico for three months, you're not my kind of dog guy, i got to tell you. Oh, come on, come on, come on. I didn't let, well, I did. I love what you just said. This is kind of deep. I walked into that one, didn't I? Right, moving on. Yeah, What's right. A, yeah, right. <laughs> what is the one problem worth solving? The one problem worth solving is... How can we be less afraid? How can we be less afraid of our own experience? That's lovely. Who's made you reevaluate yourself? Well, Joshua Spodek certainly made me reevaluate the way I behave in a bunch of ways. Uh, a bunch of ways. I certainly think my boss at Danone, Emmanuel Faber, um, has made me question uh, pretty much everything about myself. Many people have, but those are the two that jump to my mind. Yeah. What question that no one asks you that you wish they would? Oh, I wish they asked, I wish people would ask me how I think humans work because I have a new theory about how I think humans work and no one ever asks me because it's such a really big question. <laughs> is it a big answer? Uh, no, I kind of gave it through this talk really, which is I think that, um, you know, humans are at, you know, at some level all one and we have this ability to think and we can't control our thoughts but we can certainly notice what we pay attention to. And if we could just not be afraid of the series of random thoughts that drift on through our minds, and if we could choose at the right time to spend our attention on thoughts that are productive and powerful, our lives would be different. And the more that I'm in that conversation, 
the more powerful and the more enjoyable my life's been. So that's kind of the subject that I'm hot on at the moment. Okay. If you could return to one night, one day in history, where, when, and to see who? If I could return to one night in history, Mm -hmm. which night would it be? Or day, history, anywhere to see. Is there anything you would go? Nah. No. Okay. Not interested. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get to her because I know the, the timing on this. Going to get to the main last three questions. Um, impossible question. What would your advice be to someone that's about to graduate study that um, is being told that their grand ambition or goal, not that you necessarily focus on goals, um, that forget it, it's impossible, give up? I would um, tell them to find the smallest possible step that they can make in that direction. I think one of the reasons why people um, get stopped is they have really big goals that are really far away and they don't think about the bit from here to there. And often, and this is actually Seth Godin uh, advice too, the smaller the step, the better. The single customer that you can meet their needs, the better. The, the one step. So that's what I'd say. The wisdom of Seth Godin. I agree. What book would you like us to offer listeners that submit best comments in the comment section? I think The Geography of Thought is one of the most powerful books I've ever read, or The Culture Map. Both of them are books about the way different cultures think. One is by Aaron Meyer and the other is by a guy called Robin something or the other, which will come to me. I'll tell you afterwards. Because I think understanding multicultural perspectives is one of the most powerful things that you can do. And I think I would probably offer Sapiens as well, because I think Sapiens is a super powerful book. Okay. Who should we interview next? Well, Anand Gildara, since we've mentioned him about four times, if you haven't yet. I haven't, I haven't got a connection to him. Mm-hmm. So. Well, we could try that. We'll um, try that, yeah. Yeah, I think, I, think he would be, I think he would be great. Yeah. Okay, just finally wrap up with acknowledging you. So there's so much I could acknowledge and thank you for, but mainly what comes across is just a relentless pursuit of positive purpose and impact. A a redefining approach to humanity and our mindset and our reason for being, your clarity of thought, your candor, and really all I'd say is keep on dancing. (laughs) Thank you. It's been a a joy. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. If you like the show, please subscribe and ideally give us a five-star rating and a review because it helps more people find us. Just go to iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player to listen and subscribe. This show is an Impossible Network production and is produced by Bettina McKaylee and Elaine Castillo-Keller. But for now, be curious, be creative, and seek out serendipity.